Greetings. Welcome to yet another episode of WePod presented to you by the business cluster of IIM Vishakhapatnam. Traveling is the only thing where the more you spend, the richer you get. An integral part of it is the people you interact with, especially those working in the industry. And today we have with us Ms. Prachi Thakur, a diversity trainer and strategist in tourism and hospitality with expertise in policy formation and evaluation. Currently working as a diversity strategist for World Women Tourism. She helps businesses in transforming their services by training staff to enhance the customer experience. She has completed her BCom from Patna University and master's degree from Pondicherry University. She has worked as a, a teaching assistant at Dom's IIT Roorkee and as a freelancer in the tourism industry in various roles. Hello, ma'am. It is a pleasure to have you here on Bpod. How are you? Thank you so much, Jay. That was a good introduction and I am doing good. Uh, how are you? I am doing great, ma'am, and very much excited to host you today. Thank you so much for having me here. So let's dive into the discussion. You have completed your undergrad and postgrad in accountancy, but you have done research in the field of diversity and inclusion in tourism and hospitality. What motivated you to choose this field and especially the industry? Ah, uh, that's a very simple answer for me, to be honest. Uh, so when I was, uh, you know, in my masters, coming from a state, so um, for people who don't know, I am from Bihar, and. Uh, we are not so proud of hosting very low literacy rates in our state. So being from a state which doesn't boast too much uh, advanced society standards, uh, we weren't allowed to travel per se. Traveling alone was let, uh, you know, big fat dream. So when I came to Pondicherry, you know, coming out of Bihar, uh, I um, came to Pondicherry, it was a really uh, good opportunity for me to explore uh, the travel, you know, the country for that matter. And when I started traveling, it wasn't that, uh, you know, that idea people have that, okay, you know what, when I travel, I'll be, you know, feel free and these serene things and blah, blah, blah kind of things. When I started traveling, I did get them, you know, those serene feelings and everything. But then there were so many instances where I was like, cat called where I was you know called out on my tattoos where people asked about my piercings and what do my tattoos spell or you know and the pivoting point in my life where people asked me a person commented if I'm a sex worker because they thought uh, you know that since I have a tattoo I am a sex worker so that moment I was like ouch that hurt <laughs> So since that hurt me, I was like, obviously taken aback for some time. But then I realized that, okay, if this happens to me, does it happen to other women as well? Because I mean, maybe I am unique, but I'm not that unique. So I started talking to people in the industry and, you know, especially solo female travelers who looked like me or look, didn't look like me. Turns out women of all ages, colors, shapes, sizes, features women who looked like me like you know uh, young and kind of free and women who didn't look like me ladies in their 50s wearing salwar kurta and you know traditional Indian clothes all of them were reporting same thing so I was like aha that means the problem does not lie on our end the problem lies on the other side of the table and that's how I became curious on what we can do to move ahead of this problem and is there any solution so i was more of a 
you know, exploratory person. I came with a very curious mind in this industry. Uh, so as to ask more questions rather than giving more recommendations from the beginning. So uh, that's how I came into this industry. And uh, other thing is like a very generic thing since I love traveling, I want more women to travel. So that is one of the other things which eventually developed. This wasn't my reason to come in the industry. Uh, my reason was to hunt for answers on why that. So, uh, you know, people experience from um, the other side, you know, which is unwanted behavior of people. So I, I came with a curious mind on why it happens, what triggers that and what we can help to, you know, how we can help women feel safe in the industry. So that's how I came in the industry. So talking on the same lines about this industry, in the Indian tourism context, it is considered as incredible India because of its wide diversity in culture. Do you think it sets us apart from other foreign tourist attractions and we are capitalizing on it? Uh, thank you so much for that question. That's a kind of broad question, but I, I like it. We definitely are different from, um, you know, other tourist destinations because uh, we have a more of a, what you call heterogeneity. We don't have two destinations which look, feel, or taste alike. Um, there is a saying in India that every hundred meters, the language, the dress, and the food changes. So that's uh, a USP we have in our country that, uh, you know, there's a lot of diversity, but, and uh, that makes it pretty unique. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, obviously very different from all the other destinations where we talk about when we imagine a certain destination, it's a kind of a painted in one picture, but unfortunately I do not think we are capitalizing on it because right now take a test, take a moment and imagine you know, uh, talking to any of your friend who does not live in India. If you ask them to describe India, the only thing they'll come up with ladies in sari and people sitting on floor and eating or people in banana leaves, you know, people eating in, on banana leaves and, uh, you know, people eating with hands and uh, yeah, those things. So our, the picture of India is not at all diverse. I'll, I'll tell you an instance which happened with me and I realized how less information people have about our country. So one of my friends, uh, you know, uh, is a Korean and, uh, um, you know, I was talking to her and, um, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, our dresses and everything. So I told her that I love wearing saris, you know, since I'm from Bihar and sari is one of our, you know, stable dressing uh, things. So I was like, okay, you know what? I love wearing saris. And she's like, oh, how do you carry it? I said, I don't know. It comes effortlessly for me because I have loved it since a child, since I was a child. And um, she was like, oh, what if that thing falls off? She was talking about the pallu. And I was like, so what if it falls off? You pick it up. And she was like, oh, okay. But what if people see? I was like, what will people see? Okay take a pause. Did you think that people don't wear anything under the sari? And she was like, I don't know. I'm like, oh my God. So she did not know that sari itself has components. You have underskirt, you have a blouse, and it's like a piece together thing. It's not like a one piece thing that you just drape yourself in and done. It's not, it doesn't happen like that. So this was just an example of how less information people have about, you know, simple things we have in India. So it's uh, even in tourism things, if I describe a little more, 
when tourists come to India and we, from tourism industry, we sell them the authentic tourism experience, we sell them the same things. We drape them in sari, we put them in front of Taj Mahal, we click a picture, they frame in their house. What the second thing is we take them to a local, you know, house, we make them sit on the floor, then we give them a, you know, banana leaf and they eat on that. And that's like authentic Indian experience. Why that do, you know, those elements do form a part of like Indian experience. India is extremely diverse, extremely diverse. A lot of people don't know that we don't have a national language. We have official languages. And it's these very simple but very complex things that you know people don't um, you know know, and that is why you know sometimes it makes me think and uh, ask to answer your question. We are not capitalizing on our diversity. We we really really need to um, separate things and separate. Yes, India as a nation together is good, but having our own um, you know um, identity doesn't have to be one unified identity. We can have different identities as a nation. We can boast sarees, but we can also boast salwar kutta, which is again a stable dressing. So it's it's like that, but yes, one line answer to your question. We are not capitalizing on it and we really need to do better. So Prachi, in this tourism industry, the management positions are not evenly distributed among both genders and only around 2.5% are women. So, however, the roles involving the actual customers or tourists are handled equally by male strata than the females. Like, what are your views on it? Um, I think it's more about, you know, when you take a total um, around of, um, you know, the gender, what do you say, the classification, the stratification of men and women. It's, I, I really think that, uh, you know, we need to work on, having more women in non-women roles. And when I say non-women roles, we have an imagination. The moment we say HR manager, instantly a lady pops up. It's not even a millisecond and we think of HR manager as a lady. Why? I have, it's like a very, um, what do you say? Uh, there is a word which is kind of extreme to it, but it is people, research talks about the ghettoization of work in tourism and hospitality industry, where women are, uh, you know, traditionally employed in uh, work, which is supposed to be more caring, you know, like human resources, like, uh, you know, being waitresses and, you know, caring housekeeping kind of roles. But then when it comes to um, traditionally non-caring roles like decision-making, strategy, operations, and all of these sectors, you see men in those roles. So we really need to take a step back rather than I don't really advocate for bland hiring that, okay, you know, you hire uh, people just because there is, you need a quota kind of thing, but yes, we do need to take a step back and see if we are um, hiring a bunch of sheeps because we are sheeps. We really need to take a step back and see whether we are making a ghetto of our own departments and our own, you know, um, what uh, our own organizations. And while I do agree that uh, you know using the term ghetto is kind of extreme. But when you look at the representation of men and women in certain departments, you will understand that it is extreme. The word might, you know, trigger negative emotions, but the situation isn't that positive either. 
So it's 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 definitely like that. So talking about all the changes that you have mentioned, tourism industry like any other was affected by the pandemic as we have seen. What are the transitions that this went through and how will it shape the going forward? Uh, that is again a very good question. Thank you so much for that. Uh, tourism industry, I I'm not the one to say it statistics demonstrate. The recent report by United Nations uh, says that tourism industry was the most hit industry. It was the hardest hit industry among all of them because we literally came to a full stop. It wasn't a comma. It wasn't a semicolon. It was a full stop. People were like, okay, don't travel. You're not allowed to travel. There were literally sanctions over traveling. But uh, yes, I do think it was kind of necessary. I know kind of this feels really, really selfish and really, uh, what you say, privileged, I would say. This is a privileged statement when I say that it was necessary. And why I say it was necessary is because, you know, when I talked about this stratification of men and women in certain roles, you see, pandemic made that very clear because data demonstrates that in the tourism industry, more than 60% of the workforce which was laid off was of women. And why were women laid off? Because they are replaceable in the industry. You fire waitresses today, you can hire them tomorrow. You can always find them. But when it terms when it comes to your you know uh, manager when you when it comes to your um, operations manager strategy manager you will have difficulty in finding them again so they could retain their jobs throughout the pandemic even if it was difficult for the organization so you know these moments make us realize how uh, you know complex these uh, imbalances are and although they seem simple they are anything but simple but um, you know, going forward, I think uh, diversity and the training associated with diversity is what will keep us in the business, quite literally, because pandemic also brought a shift in um, you know people's own mind on the terms, on two terms actually. It made them vulnerable because death was so close. We literally saw death in our faces. Some of them, people who suffered COVID and people who, you know, came out of COVID experienced that process that, okay, you know what, I might not survive tomorrow. So that gave them, a, you know, this idea that, you know what, I need to live my fullest because I just cannot afford to waste any more time. What happened due to this first idea is that people started accepting their identities people who, uh, you know, were forcing themselves to live by certain standards of gender and sexuality moved ahead of from them. People are like, no, you know what? I'm not going to tolerate any bullshit. I want to live my true self. So the first change happened there. And now, so in the hospitality and tourism industry, now the guests you will have coming in will have so much more intersectional identities. People earlier, you might be, you know, calling people, sir and ma'am, hello, sir, hello, ma'am. But now you need to really take a step back because the person in front of you might not identify as a binary individual. So if you are still training, if you're still, you know, working in the industry and you're, you know, quote unquote, sir, ma'am person, you really, really need to take a look on your job and how long you can secure the job. And second thing, second shift which has come in is that, okay, this identity is coming to workplace, you know, as guests. Second thing what has happened that hospitality and tourism has been traditionally, historically 
so much infamous for its turnover rates. People join in the industry, people leave after six months. That because the workplace environment is so much toxic. Pandemic made them realize that, you know what, there are options. So many people who were working in hospitality and tourism industry have shifted to other industries because they are not ready to negotiate on the stress they had in the industry. So now if you want to keep the guests, you definitely need diversity training. But if you want to keep workers, you need to convince them that, you know what, we are good people, you need to work with us, and you know what, we'll treat you very fairly because now they know they have options. So as an industry, we really, uh, I at least really see us be getting more inclusive and smart brands will be investing higher in diversity training. And one thing which I really specifically talk about is, you know, how people uh, and organizations don't invest in diversity training per se, but have these manuals in normal generic training. I think that is exactly like how you go to a uh, you know, general physician if you have a heart issue. If you have a heart issue, you go to a cardiologist, you don't go to a general physician. And if you go to general physician, God save you. So that's one thing which I, I really see uh, going positively, but uh, let's see, only time will tell how we are going forward. So Prachi, one last but not the least, you also assist businesses in creating a safe and inclusive environment for women. So what are the few strategies that help the businesses to create this conducive environment? And what would be your suggestions to those businesses which has field jobs? Uh, okay, thank you so much. I would uh, like to ask a clarity on what do you mean by field jobs? Do you mean like travel operators, travel agents, something like that? Yes, in the context of traveling. Okay, okay. Uh, thank you so much. So I do uh, think that the first thing, since it's my thing, I will say, the first thing which is required, really required even for field trips is, um, you know, diversity training. How you're interacting with people is like the first chapter in any strategy I recommend to anyone, whether it's a new business which opened yesterday or whether it has been, you know, like big hotel chains uh, who have been operating since like decades and centuries. First thing you need to, uh, you know, learn that what worked for your father won't work for you because times have changed. And we need to change our strategies accordingly because most of the organization, what they do is they run like these 90, 100 years old manuals, stable training manuals, and they are just not doing, they're just not going to cut the you know, bar in the future. So that's the first strategy I recommend. And second, with, for the field jobs as well. And second is as a person in the tourism hospitality industry, as a guest or a worker, this is one crucial thing which I talk in my trainings as well is taking a pause between having thoughts and taking action. Because what we do as a human, we are very uh, impulsive. Now, when I say that, you know, me, I am impulsive or you are impulsive, you know, you are going to, uh, you're bound to take it very negatively that, you know, well, no, I'm not impulsive. I think it through. But if you look at a man who is wearing a sari, you won't really take a moment in judging them. While judging them or making opinions is not bad, but saying it out loud is definitely bad. What happens is that people are so quick to take actions rather than taking that pause. I'll, I'll give you an example, which is uh, from a restaurant, uh, you know, 
one of my friends, she is a Muslim. And uh, from our common knowledge, we know that, you know, Muslims don't drink alcohol, right? But then again, this is a strict generalization because drinking alcohol, while it was a very hard and fast rule earlier, people of, you know, younger age have started shifting from those things. So for me to assume that, okay, if someone is wearing a burqa, she or he will not drink alcohol is a prejudice I have, is a stereotype I have, not a prejudice, a stereotype I have, which is coming from my old information that, okay, you know what, Muslims don't drink alcohol. So when this said friend of mine walks into a, you know, a restaurant, Kambar, uh, with a friend, what the guy does, you know, the, uh, the waiter, uh, he gives the food menu to the lady and the drinks menu to the other lady. Because, you know, um, and when this lady asked that, okay, why didn't I also want a drinks menu? And then his facial expression was like, oh, really? Like, okay, I mean, uh, so you, you don't always say things out loud, but your nonverbal expressions do. So when we walk into the industry as a customer or as a, you know, um, employee, we should take a moment of pause, whether we are allowing our prejudice, our stereotype, or our microaggressions, you know, dictate our behavior on how we are interacting. Are we asking for people's pronouns or are we just referring them, okay, the dress you're wearing, you're either a man or a woman or a sir or a man. There is no other than that. Why are you holding hands of a man? Why are you not holding hands of a white, you know, man? It's, it's all these, uh, you know, so many things that run in our mind which kind of dictate our behavior. And that is why it's the second strategy which I recommend to people is taking a pause between thoughts and action. And third is explore information. One thing is that people always expect uh, in meetings with me uh, that I'll give them a list of to-do lists that, okay, you know what, da, 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 da. these are 10 things you do and all of a sudden you are inclusive. You'll be the most inclusive employer of the year or most inclusive employee of the year it does not work like that. It simply does not work like that. It's a process. Inclusion is a process where we are identifying and addressing the biases we have. We don't know we have and the ones we know we have, but we want to get rid of it. So it's a very complex process and it simply does not work in one sitting or one training session. So one thing which I the third thing, actually, third strategy, which I suggest to people, even um, for the businesses which have free jobs, is explore information as much as you can. There are so many wonderful books, podcasts, and wherever you are, even on TikTok, there are so many creators who are making content about inclusion on TikTok, although TikTok is banned in India. But, you know, on Instagram Reels, you can explore every avenue you want if you want to learn. And I will really request people to be curious about it because no matter how much you invest, no matter what you do, exploring information, it just isn't replaceable. So that's, uh, those are my three suggestions. So thank you so much. Okay. Ma'am, can I uh, chip in to your answer? Something that I uh, feel about. So uh, ma'am, is it all about like, uh, what once a great personality said that uh, we, all humans hold some preconceived notions. So we need to check our preconceived notions with the time to adapt that 
is it right or wrong with this time or not so is it yeah so this is an old saying it's an it's just it's a sort of adage so this thing true uh, this thing also holds true in this time also what you yeah. said previously but that's uh, see the thing is uh, it does hold true we do need to check our information and you know inf- um, you know as i told about you know biases and stereotypes with the time but second thing you know i i agree with the first part you said but i don't agree with the second part you said as in having a right and wrong things one thing about being inclusion is that uh, that is a specifically my recommendation don't focus too much on understanding focus too much on accepting for example i suck at physics i literally suck at physics and i never understood it you know when i was in my school and no wonder as i came to you know iit for my phd rather than you know btech so it wasn't my thing but i don't understand physics doesn't mean i'll ex- not accept that there is gravity it just doesn't make sense like i'll say no i'm standing because i have superpowers really no it doesn't work like that if i don't understand something doesn't mean i don't can't accept it and diversity and specifically a lot of uh, diversity it's difficult for us to understand so don't focus too much on understanding if you can understand if you can take steps to understand it is so incredible but let's begin with acceptance that you know what whatever you are whatever belief you have whatever identities you hold i don't understand that i definitely don't but it's okay i don't have to do anything with it so it's like a lot of people focus too much on understanding and they mess it up there um and also you know uh it it will go a little long but i'll try to trim it really short when i talk about you know gathering new information people when i tell you today something you are not going to wipe the memory you have things you have learned from you know ages movies you have seen relationships you have come across conversations you have had with your friends your partners your loved ones your parents you're going to build a pyramid of information on which the information i give you you're going to try to fit it into you know different categories that you already have so the challenge happens when i give you information which doesn't fit in any of the categories for example if i tell you that you know what uh, i am uh, no not uh, this will be a bad example per se but uh, one of my friends so traditionally you and me have seen a man gets married to a woman they have children who are male or female uh and when we go to you know girls birthday parties we see them decorated in pink we see them having dolls and all of those things kitchen sets and blah 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 all of a sudden there comes a family where there are two fathers he has a son you know uh, like uh, the the guys they have a son and they don't dress like uh, the child in traditional uh, male clothes because maybe they don't identify as a male so that we'll be like ha huh, they are weird we won't attempt to understand that they are different than us or we won't accept that okay why are they like that okay maybe i just don't need to understand maybe they are happy we are good we will outcast them we will uh, you know banish them we won't call them in our children's birthday parties why because their children doesn't dress 
properly. That's what happens when the new information doesn't fit into the pyramid of information we already have. And that is why inclusion is not about right and wrong. And it's about being somewhere which is beyond right and wrong. I mean, who decides these right and wrong things? If I decide it, I will decide it on my previous information. So if I have to decide how right physics is, I don't understand it. So I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make bullshit arguments about how physics work because I don't understand it. I have never seen physics. I don't read physics books. So it's, uh, I think it is uh, the first part you said is that you know we need to change the information is correct. But uh, being right and wrong part is, uh, I don't really agree with it. So it's more about accepting rather than understanding. So that, but thank you for chipping in. Thank you, ma'am, for enlightening our listeners and enthusiastic students with your profound knowledge and expertise. We really hope to interact with you in the future. On this note, I would like to conclude yet another episode of our podcast series. On behalf of I am Vishaka Patnam, I would like to extend my gratitude to you for taking out a valuable time. To all our listeners, have a great time and take care. Till then, Beepaw team signing off. We'll see you soon in the next episode.